Phantom of Loch Lees, written and read by David White. Her story is set in a castle that no longer stands, on an island that is no longer an island, and in a loch that's no longer a loch. The ancient castle of the Burnet stood proud against the elements on a small island, in what was then the Loch of Lees, and it's here with the not yet 17-year-old Laird Alexander Burnet, the ninth Laird of Lees, that our tragic story unfolds. The Lady Agnes' mother to the young Laird had managed the barony since the eighth Laird's untimely passing, eleven years past. She was a strong and regal woman, but also shrewd and cunning, as she needed to be to maintain her family's position with the rivaling baronies. One evening Lady Agnes's servants came to her, informing her that a very distant relative, Sir Roger de Bernard, whose branch of the family had long since departed Scottish shores for France, was on the banks of the loch, along with his daughter and a full retinue of staff. He sought to visit his ancestral homeland, a pastime still favoured by those of distant Scottish descent to this day. You see, Scotland has a pull for those that have come from here. Too much history, love, hate and dare I say magic has been shared between Scotland and its people for it to be so easily diminished by a jaunt over the sea. In the case of our tale, however, Sir Roger's visit was also, at least in part, due to trouble in France that may have put his family at rather unhealthy odds of being killed. Of course, Lady Agnes sent boats and greeted her guest fondly, speaking of the ancient ties between their people. Sir Roger and his retinue stayed at the night at the castle, and upon the following evening was the guest of honour at a feast thrown for them. When the time came for Sir Roger to give a speech, he did so with great gusto and concluded with a thanks, stating that while he must return to France to protect his interests, his daughter Bertha would remain. This was a statement the young Lear gladly welcomed, for in the day he had spent with Bertha, he had grown rather fond of her, and when thanking Sir Roger for his kind words, he caught Bertha's eye from across the room and saw she was beaming. Clearly she too had enjoyed their time together. What the young Laird had not seen, however, was the dark clouds that gathered in his mother's eyes as she stared at Bertha with thinly veiled venom. Lady Agnes was not a bad person. No, she would be delighted for her darling son to fall in love and marry. So long as the girl was a daughter of one of the Lords of Lorne. Unfortunately, Bertha didn't quite make that cut. But for this evening, Lady Agnes said nothing. As the days and weeks went by, as expected, the Laird and Bertha grew closer and closer, while Lady Agnes's concern and anger at the situation grew and grew. After a while, it was evident to everyone, including Bertha, that Lady Agnes resented her deeply. Lady Agnes had tried in vain over the weeks since Bertha's arrival, to entice the young Laird with other high-born ladies. She threw banquets with various Lords of Lorne as guests in the hope that the young Laird's attentions would drift, but alas, no other matched the charm, wit and beauty of our French maiden Bertha. Lady Agnes could not, alas, prevent the young Laird from seeing Bertha, for he was now a man and head of the family. And even if she sought to intimidate Bertha directly, the Laird was never more than a few steps behind her shooing her away from Bertha any time her temper started to fray. But there came a day the young Laird had to go away to meet the abbot of Arbroath, in order to resolve a land dispute. 
Such things could take a while to resolve, but he did his best to assure Bertha he would be back in due course. Not quite believing him, and in any event not wanting to cross paths with Lady Agnes, Bertha resolved to lock herself in her room until the laird returned. The weeks passed and the laird did not return, and Bertha now mixed with anguish for her love and a fear of Lady Agnes, still refused to leave her room or see anyone. As the weeks turned into months and the seasons changed, Bertha grew frail and ill. Still the laird did not return. One misty June morning, the laird did return, and having got the boat to the island, expected to be greeted in royal fashion. But to his astonishment, there was no one in sight. As he approached the front of the keep, he still heard nothing, saw no one, until he reached the throne room. There he saw before him a quiet room full of stony-faced people, and in the centre a byre bearing the lifeless corpse of his love. The laird quickly reached for a goblet of wine, resting on the windowsill, in order to steady his nerves. But before the wine could even touch his lips, Lady Agnes dashed the goblet from his hand, its contents flying through the open window. It soon became apparent to the laird, from his mother's actions and the subsequent glance she made between the splatters of wine that fell short of the window in Bertha's corpse, that his love had been poisoned. The laird mourned for a time, but being young and full of life, the memory of Bertha soon began to fade. It was not until the sudden appearance of Sir Roger a year later that it all came flooding back, as raw as it had been the day he returned from our broth. Sir Roger had heard of his daughter's untimely passing, and its cause, and unlike the castle servants, who would not accuse Lady Agnes of any wrongdoing, unless there were several drinks down the tavern, Sir Roger was not so shy. He bowled into the great hall unannounced and accused Lady Agnes of Bertha's murder. As Lady Agnes stood to protest Sir Roger's damning accusations, a cool air swept the hall. The candles flickered and the banners moved. Lady Agnes stared, her eyes fixed on the door as she let out a scream. She comes! She comes! Then, with a witch-like cackle, she fell to the floor dead. Once a year at midnight, it's said that a ghostly figure of a woman rises from the site of the old castle and glides across the land to the new Craves castle built by the laird in an attempt to escape the cursed events of the old keep. Some say the ghost is Bertha's, venturing from the place of her untimely death to see the beautiful new castle commissioned by her lover. Others say it's the ghost of Lady Agnes, damned to walk this mortal plane for eternity and repentance for her evil deed. Thank you for listening to the Folklore Scotland podcast. We'll be back every single week with new folklore content from stories to analysis, so stay tuned. Folklore Scotland is a charity founded to protect and preserve Scottish folklore through taking a multimedia approach to compiling and sharing folk tales, telling the tales of the past with the technology of today. If you'd like to find out more about our charity, visit folklorescotland.com and if you're keen to become a voluntary contributor and would like to get in touch, send us an email at info.folklorescotland.com. You can also find all of our social media links and a link to a written version of this story in the show notes. Thanks for listening and we'll see you next time. <laughs>